All right, if all those who are kindergarten through fifth grade, if you'd make your way to the front, kindergarten through fifth grade, and those who are three, aged three, four, and five, if you send your children towards the back, they could uh, join up with their teacher and make your way down for your lessons as we are lessening up here. All right. Just want to say... Um, happy Father's Day. Uh, you notice that the title of the sermon today is addressed as Dad. And, and therefore, today especially, we're stepping aside from, I, I think it's real important to say, we're stepping aside from our summer series called What's Love Got to Do With It? And this is not part of it, okay? What's Love Got to Do With It? Dad. You know, so I thought that wouldn't be a, you know, just make sure we're not part of that. What we're, what we're wanting to do uh, matter of fact, I looked back in my archives and I thought, when, when was the last time I really preached a, a Father's Day sermon? And I had nothing. I, I, I don't think I've had, I, I do remember a, a Dad's Day sermon I, I preached, uh, I, you know, I cannot remember even the title of it, but that was actually years ago after I started uh, taking this position in preaching. So I, I do want to take this opportunity to focus on Dad. Man, the important part that you play and, and in, in doing that, uh, you just went to, there's a number of scriptures that we had the opportunity to look at this morning, and so I selected one. But also I thought, you know, what's a, what's a good example within the scriptures of a dad? Uh, I mean, think, think with me just for a moment, because I've done this this week. What, what's a good example of dad within the scriptures? Can you come up with one? I did have one response saying, God. I say, absolutely, God is that perfect father, but I'm thinking, I, I'm thinking more in terms of the earthly fathers, okay? Do you remember a good example? I mean, there's some great men of God in there, but, and I'll just be honest with you, I came to the conclusion, it is, it is so much easier to find bad dads than good dads in Scripture. I'm just flat out telling you that's the way it is. More the bad dads than good dads. Here, think with me just for a minute. I, went, I, I thought about Abraham. You know, Abraham is the one who had Isaac, promised son of God, you know, or promised son to Abraham, Isaac, and, and uh, we don't see a lot of details. And you cannot hold uh, the fact that he tried to sacrifice his son as, as anything against Abraham. I mean, that was commanded by God. There's some of us dads, every once in a while you feel like sacrificing a child, right? Now, let's be honest. Man, maybe that would be a good thing. But, but you know, it was commanded to Abraham, hey, sacrifice Isaac. And, uh, and you know, and if anything, what we see even in the New Testament is, is this idea of, of how great a faith uh, that Abraham had. So in, in that, that had to really shine forth in Abraham. But if, if you're thinking Abraham, you can't forget Ishmael, right? He had a son previous uh, through Hagar, and uh, he abandoned or, or sent mom and, and Ishmael away. Uh, that's, that's part of uh, uh, Abraham's fathering. Uh, a couple generations later, I thought about the 12 sons identified as the promised land that's coming you would think well Jacob surely he was a good father but he spoiled one of his kids uh, you notice that the, the one he gave the coat of many colors to is that Joseph 
and, and even the other, other sons. It, it had to be bad. And I, you know what? I, I even sympathize with the older uh, brothers. Could you imagine having Joseph? He, got, he, he receives uh, such favoritism, receives such a fine coat. And then he always talks about these dreams about someday, someday you're going to fall down and worship me. Or you're going to fall down in honor of me. And stuff like that. And I mean, just, I, I would think that the brothers had enough, so they simply just sold him into slavery, right? That, that's kind of messy within that family. So, um, another one I thought of, of is, is David. I mean, David, if there's one who is focused upon God, one, man, such a heart that pursued God to the, to the place where he was des- designated as the man who, who uh, was after God's own heart, Right? And so you think, well, here's, here's got to be a good dad, a good example and everything. But let me tell you what, his house was a mess. His, his household was a mess. We think about one of his daughters, Tamar, being raped by one of his sons, Amnon. And, and then if that wasn't bad enough, Amnon didn't really receive any kind of punishment from his dad, which absolutely embittered uh, uh, another one of his sons, Absalom, one of his favorite sons. And, and the only thing David did to well, so Absalom killed Amnon, and, and uh, then David, in response to that, just gave, gave Absalom the silent treatment for a couple years, and then Absalom absolutely rebelled, rebelled against his dad, even tried to stir up trouble within the kingdom. So it was a mess. Uh, think about the New Testament. I mean, we might think about dads, but, but think, there was one in there, there was a perfect son. Who raised that perfect, well, that, that's kind of cheating, isn't it? You know, we were talking about Jesus, but there was Joseph, right? There, there was Joseph, we don't see a lot about raising, except when he's 12 years old, what did Joseph do? But when they were in the Passover in Jerusalem, a whole day's journey, the scripture says. He left Jerusalem and, and the whole family, wasn't just he and Mary, but there was uh, probably by that time other children and, and uh, aunts, uncles, uh, and others in, in the group headed back to Galilee. And, and by, by the end of that day, you know, Joseph says, hey, hey uh, where's Jesus? Oh, I thought he was with you kind of thing. And, and so they had to head back to Jerusalem. We forgot Jesus. And it wasn't just that one day. They didn't go back and find him right away. It said it took them three days to find Jesus. I, I don't know. I had to put myself in, and think about Joseph a little bit here. I mean, I had to, yeah, I had to think about him. Three days, what was on his mind? Except this, this constant saying, I lost the Son of God. I lost the Son of God. I lost, I don't know. Uh, you know, mistakes, troubles, uh, just blatant. Uh, difficulties that dads had throughout the scriptures. You might be able to share with me uh, someone uh, that, that, that uh, ha- is a good father. And there's some evidence of good fathers here and there throughout. But, but the, the bottom line, the truth is that there are no good fathers. There are no perfect fathers. Excuse me, that, that's better said. There are no perfect fathers. You can't find them in scripture. And the reason is, is we live in a broken world. And fathers, dads, let's admit it, man, we're sinful. But, but along with that, we have a good God. 
But we're, we're sinful. We live in this broken world. And when I say we have a good God, I have to turn. The, the passage we're going to look at is actually in Ephesians. It comes in Ephesians 6 verse 4. And, and we can't turn right there. And I find this very significant. If there's any place where you absolutely need to know the context, it's in, in this Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4. In Ephesians 6 verse 4, uh, what, what Paul tells fathers in their relationships is, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. That verse. But remove that and say, well, let's, let's just follow the information or let's follow the instruction here that's laid out in Scripture. And it's good advice. I will say it's good advice. But if we take it out of context, we miss what Paul was telling the Ephesians. We really blow it. I will tell you openly and honestly, you will blow it if you just pursue uh, Ephesians 6 verse 4. What's the context of, of, of all of Ephesians? Chapters about that wonderful connection that God has enabled us to have through Jesus. In chapter 2, chapter 2, verse 1, he, he identifies us very honestly. He says, as for you, you were dead in your trespass, transgressions and sins. You were dead in your transgressions and sins. I, he just identifies us clearly. In verse 5, he, he then comes along and declares the salvation he's provided. That he has made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in those transgressions. He is, he's laid out a salvation for us to unperfect, absolutely tainted and broken and sinful people. God sent Jesus in order for us to receive his grace and mercy and receive forgiveness, being right with God. Oh man, that's what he's provided. In the first three chapters and all the details he lays out, he speaks about this salvation we receive. Beginning chapter 4, beginning chapter 4, he then says, now this is what you received, now live it. And, and 4 verse 1, here's what, here's what he says, as a prisoner for the Lord, speaking to Paul himself, he says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Live a life worthy of the calling. What, what calling we received? We received righteousness through Jesus. Uh, now live that righteousness, is what he's saying. And now the pursuit is to live the holiness and righteousness of God. And in, in, uh, also 4, verse 17, he says, uh, So I tell you this, and, and insist on in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the world, or live as Gentiles do. Uh, we, are, we are called, man, this is a continuous message. With the gospel we have, this is the continuous message that we hear. Every Sunday. I, I, this is part of what we speak. You know, what God has given to us is salvation and forgiveness and, and also righteousness that now we're called to live. In chapter 5, he identifies, he says, hey, listen, you're no, you are now children of the light. Live as, uh, as, as that light. Uh, let me see that, just to give you the verse. It's, it's uh, 5 verse 8. Uh, live as children of light. Light meaning righteousness, 
holiness. That's what we're called to. All this precedes the instructions we begin to see laid out in chapter 5 and chapter 6. And it talks about the relationships we have in this world. First of all, it goes to that marriage relationship. Hey, live as children of light. Listen, submit to one another. Actually, it it begins with everything. Submit to one another. And then it goes to wives. Wives, submit to your husbands as as the church submits to, uh, to the Lord. And husbands, love your wives as as, uh, Christ loved the church. There's the instruction for that relationship. And, and, you know, when when you think about Jesus, got to say this, when you think about Jesus, how he submitted his life, he, he went to the cross on behalf of the church, that's what he's calling you husbands to do in loving your wives. And, and so there's a relationship that is blessed by God if we pursue each other in that way. Submitting to one another, loving, respecting, that's the beginning of the relationships. Then, then it goes to chapter 6, verse 1. Don't miss the children. They've all left, though, so they're not going to hear this at all. So you could remind them when you get home. Hey, we, we didn't get into this, but this is what you're to do. Obey your parents, Right? Matter of fact, it's, it's children submit to your parents. Uh, live in that obedience of your parents. Honoring your father and mother. That's the first three verses focused upon children. And then it goes to, it says fathers. It says fathers. But, but we can even build a case where it's not just to the fathers, but it is also the mothers. But since this is Father's Day, I want to focus on fathers. <laughs> but moms, listen up. Because I think we're very much involved in this. Okay. Then it goes to the fathers. I I do want to tell you this. Man, being a perfect father, it's not going to happen. So so you're not called, you know, matter of fact, I even say to you today, dads don't look to be perfect. Learn to be dependent. I I think that's the message when you look at the, that's not what verse 4 says, but the context of what we've seen is everything about what Jesus and what God is doing in you. Through Christ, the the covering of his blood, the forgiveness, and then the call of righteousness, that has to precede 6 verse 4. And then we could follow that instruction. Then we could follow that instruction. Without it, if I just revealed to you that verse today, just said, hey, don't embitter your children and and bring them up in the, the teaching and instruction of the Lord, then then, man, we really miss out if we, if we miss out on all of Ephesians. Let me proceed, though, with 6 verse, uh, verse 4. Uh, let's look at the instruction here. Specifically, keep it simple. Uh, first of all, don't embitter your children. I use the word embitter. NIV says uh, exasperate. It almost says don't exhaust your children. Uh, you know, in some ways, I'm not real fond of the way NIV, matter of fact, the version you probably have, majority of the versions will say, do not provoke your children to anger, or do not provoke your children to wrath. Let me ask you, dads, have you made your children angry lately? Or, or you guys like me, did you ever make your children angry? And to that you say, absolutely, man, you frustrate your kids, you upset them. Uh, as soon as you say no to something that they really want, there's frustration. Or you discipline. And, and so, so what, is, what is he speaking about? The, the word I do enjoy or the word that I, I best connect with, I, I'd say, along with that uh, provoking your children anger, I think it's an anger that, that is a continuous thing that, that just 
goes on day after day after day. It is, it is that word embittering, embittering a heart. It has a meaning of establishing even hatred within your, your children. Man, that's so contrary to what we've read prior to of what God is working in you. Uh, so where does this embittering, just, just some examples to lay out. I, I believe this, this embittering comes from either a harsh or severe discipline or no discipline at all. Uh, we know what harsh discipline is. The kind of discipline that is out of anger. It's a matter of, you, you make me angry, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to deal with you. I'm going to punish you. And, and so our, our, our uh, discipline comes out of that anger and, and even abuse. It, it might reflect violence or it might reflect a, a, a lovelessness you have towards your child. The other example would be on the opposite end of that is no discipline at all. You know, we go back to think about David. David, in several situations, just did not deal with the trouble that his kids were causing. Didn't deal with Amnon and really didn't deal with uh, uh, Absalom as well. Absalom became that, that trouble in his kingdom later on. Dads, if we don't discipline, and, and the attitude of discipline is to correct bad behavior. Uh, the idea needs to be there and foundational. My place, my uh, position is to correct bad behavior. Therefore, discipline is definitely necessary. So what you gotta, you got to do this thing of finding what works. And kids are different, aren't they? That you have child number one, and I know exactly what works for number one, but number two comes along, and he laughs at any disciplines you throw that came from number one. Now, are you familiar with that? People who have number of kids are laughing already because you know that's true. And you have to adjust. You have to, you have to do whatever corrects bad behavior. And you, and, you, and you definitely do that in love. It also comes, one other uh, thought when it comes to embittering your children is where your expectations are impossible. Continued expectations. I think it's good to lay out expectations for your kids, but there are when, when it is continuously above and beyond what they're able to do, you're that father who, who sits at ball games and, and, and has comments uh, when, when your, your son strikes out. I remember uh, traveling, it, it was out west, watching a basketball game. My son was playing and I was there, and... Uh, uh, his son committed a foul. And, uh, and all of a sudden I heard was, stupid! Uh, and it rang throughout the gym. And, and it just became silent in the gym. And some probably thought it, it was uh, calling the ref stupid, but I knew and many of the people that knew the guy was calling his son stupid for, for the foul that he had just committed. That's rough. And, and talk about embittering your children. It's when your expectations go beyond what your child is able to do. Now, I, I do think there's an, an extreme where, where you have no expectations at all. Matter of fact, you don't even show up to the games. Where there is no expectations at home or, or any, any of the outside activities they're involved in where you express no interest. That, too, could embitter your child's heart. So, so how do you pursue 
not embittering your child? What, I mean, what's, what's the avenue that you as a father could pursue in, in helping your child not uh, have that bitter heart growing within them? And, and it's really, hey man, you probably know what it is already. It's love. It's really loving your child. Matter of fact, it's not just loving your child. In that love, enjoying them and, and letting them enjoy you. Taking the time. Now, man, if, if, if you're the guy who's working all the time, don't, not able to see your child, find that time to spend with your child doing something that they enjoy. Wrestle around on the floor. Do whatever. Take them bowling, which is a real strange thing anymore. But take them bowling. Enjoy something. You know, that, that uh, they could just enjoy you. If they're not enjoying it, take them to do something else. Read a book. I, I don't find what it is that speaks to their heart and, and, and enjoy it. I two sons and both enjoyed different things. Uh, with Travis, it was easy, you know, take him golfing. He was a happy boy. With Brady, when he was growing up, I took him to Eisenhower, Ike's Museum, Eisenhower's Museum in Abilene. Loved it. Kid loved history and war uh, kinds of things and he loved the museum that we spent our day with I took him nine holes golfing and we didn't make it through the nine holes so anyway there's just a there's a just difference but I, I found the thing that they loved and I just spending time with him Lindsay, I, Lindsay looking at me I, I I know we spent time doing things too didn't we maybe no okay good anyway well, let's move on <laughs> She was the neglected child. We'll admit this. No. Anyway, we loved our kids and enjoyed them. And you need to do that. You need to love them through the discipline as well. And love them also through your expectations. Take the time to do that. Listen, the second part of that verse 4 is this. Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, We've already covered part of that. Personally grow. Personally, you learn and, and love God. You be that example. You enjoy his word every day. You enjoy the, the music you listen to that, that expresses praise to God. You live a life that exemplifies his word. That's part of bringing him up in the, the training and instruction of the Lord. Too many, too many people, all my years... I've seen parents sending their kids to church and, and expecting that to have an effect. It does have an effect. It can have an effect. But the greatest effect is when mom and dads have that commitment to God where they're changing and they're acting in a way that, that's honoring of the word. And, and they're living, they're moving forth with mercy and grace and how they act and treat others. That is the greatest opportunity for your children to embrace and love the God that you love. It's for you to do it. That's the beginning of it. Uh, expose them to these things. Expose them to God's word. Expose them to prayer. Expose them to the church. When it comes to God's word, you know, what, what do you do except, you know, like I say, Bible isn't something we just open up or take with us on Sunday or the app now, right? Uh, it, it is something that we are focused upon every day or, or they ought to be able to see. Uh, when we first moved to uh, Junction City, I remember years ago, Travis was fourth grade, Lindsay was uh, kindergarten, Brady was second grade. And, and when we got here, we, just, we, we decided we're going we're gonna to memorize Psalm 23, 
And, and so, so all of us, I mean, even Lindsay, the youngest, we encouraged them all to memorize Psalm 23. What's significant about Psalm 23, except it's this, that, that David has probably the best picture, the best evidence of, of a relationship, someone having a relationship with God. A dependent, a loving relationship with God. And that's, that's that 23rd Psalm uh, that, that, that lays it all out. So we memorized in that summer that. Uh, throughout the years, Linda uh, continued to put verses on the mirror. So when the kids get up in the morning, there would be verses. And she would change it every once in a while for the kids to read every morning. And hopefully stick into their heads. It was always before them. Well, we would talk scripture. We would, uh, it, it was kind of center and and uh it had its place within our family not just on sunday but monday through saturday as well also prayer how do you how do you how do you teach and train your children to pray well teach them prayer pray with them uh, be involved i i know the prayer and i i man i even had to think of how this goes now i lay me down to sleep Did anybody teach you or you were taught that prayer you know, it's, it's fine to teach that. I, I, would, I would recommend a lot of you with young children, get next to them in, uh, in bed and have a conversation before you pray. You know, talk about the day, what was good about the day. And, and you know, hey, and if you had the opportunity to ask God, you know, what, what would be some things you'd ask God? And let them list it and say, okay, let's pray for those things. Let's, let's, let's just go before God. Let's say, God, I praise you for this day. I praise you that we had the opportunity to spend together and whatever activity we had. You know, let's give God thanks for that. And if there was troubles in the day, you know, let's, let's pray around those troubles. Yeah, I, one of the prayers that I, you know, I, I remember praying with my kids was, hey, I want, I want to be a better dad. I want to be a good dad for you guys. So I prayed that with my, do you remember that, Lindsay, ever? Yeah, okay, kind of, sort of, yeah. Because you're still praying for it. Um, okay. <laughs> but I remember, you know, especially when we were at the youth home, where they were all in the same room praying, yeah, just let's ask God that, that he'll strengthen me to be a good dad for you. That's a good prayer. Dads, pray it. Pray, Lord, help me to be the merciful and graceful person and, that, that you've shown me I could be. And, and help me to uh, move into those things. Church. Church, uh, am I tired? Yeah, attending, yeah, attending is part of that. But church, I, I, want, I want your kids to be able to see that church is a part of you, not something that you attend on Sunday. Does that make sense? A, a church is a part of you. It's, it's where I actually have a ministry. It's where I'm involved, not just come in, sit down, and, and listen, then go home. Church is some place where I, I have my connections. I have a community around me where I find my encouragement. It's some of the folks I have over at my house or we go over to their house and, and spend time. And, and, and they know those folks. And they're, they're good people because they're pursuing the same thing that you and I are. Is that righteousness in Jesus, right? So, so when I say church, it's not just attending. I, again, I, I say too many years, I've, I've had people who just, well, just bringing them to church is going to do it. The, but the real significance is where you are loving God in that. You know, you, you can't expect a child to become an apple by sitting them in an apple tree or a hamburger by feeding them hamburgers all the time. It's, it, it just doesn't happen. 
The thing is, is that you need to love your children. And, and when it comes to church, help them know what the church is and how it's identified. I, I want to say one other thing in this, bringing them up in the in, in training instruction, especially because we're in the summer months and already people are on vacations and things. I would just encourage you to do this. Don't vacation away from the Lord. <laughs> you know, vacation, okay, that's the time you get away from work and everything else. You get away, we'll, we'll miss you on Sunday, but don't miss the opportunity to worship. Don't miss the opportunity to worship. We did it in various ways. You know, we would go visit, most of the times we just visit other churches when we were gone. Uh, or if we were unable to, we would create our own worship service. Uh, communion and all, we would, we would have that with our kids. I, I would encourage uh, now, now today, of course, you've got the, the uh, streaming to catch us that way and, and participate in worship service. But not just, I'm not just concerned about Sunday again. But what about that opportunity to pray at the end of the day when you're on vacation with your kids? Or as a family, let's take an opportunity. Let's, have, let's just ask God's blessings upon this vacation as we're starting out. Maybe it's right before you pull out of the driveway. Let's pray. Let's pray. God watches over us and that, that uh, God just helps us, uh, you know, in our communicating that we're, we're going to have opportunity to have fun together and just grow as a family. Just, and let the kids be part of that prayer. Don't, don't leave God behind when you vacation. That's just a, an extra encouragement. Finally, finally, I, again, I'm going to remind you what I said. Dads, don't look to be perfect. Learn to be dependent. The, the final point is trust in our perfect God. Trust in what he's doing to you. Trust in what he's working in you and, and what the scripture is doing, what the Holy Spirit is doing, what, what's happening when you're involved in the community, the church, uh, where, where there are some deficiencies, maybe an anger problem you need to work with. Oh, man, pray that up. Pray that up. Say, God, help me deal with this anger. Identify, deal with it. Help me to be under control. Or, or maybe it's deceitfulness. I, I don't know what the problem might be, but when there's problems, you, you have a God who's concerned about that. Not wanting to sin to be continuing to work in your life. Deal with that. Repent of that. Pursue that lot, right life right in front of your kids. You know what? One thing I think is real important as well is that when you fail, go to your kids if you blew your top and, and, and became angry and, and, and said some words you shouldn't have said, go to your kids. Say, man, I really messed up. You didn't deserve that anger to be explode all over you. And, and I want to be a better man than that. And pray together. It's okay. I, I believe it's better to be honest and real than faking it before your kids. Isn't that true? Isn't that absolutely true? Be real with your kids. If you fail, let them know. Let them know and say, you know, if the kids did something wrong, go ahead and emphasize that too. That's okay. But say, you didn't deserve this or that. We just need to truly be honest with our kids. Here, as I, as I said that, you know, dads don't look to be perfect. There is a scripture, Matthew 5, 48, that says, hey, be perfect. Now, I'm not perfect, but God calls us to perfection. We're not off the hook. He calls us, expect to be uh, perfected only through what God is doing in us, though. 
Matthew 5.48, which we're going to deal with even more so next week. But Matthew 5.48 says, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Again, how do we attain that? How do we attain that? I, I believe it comes through faith in Jesus Christ. That's the beginning of perf- where we are forgiven and we're right before Him. Yay. I still am so amazed by what God has done for us. That great example, our Heavenly Father, right? Who loves us incredibly. Oh man, Lord, if I could just learn some mercy, if I could learn that grace, and if I I could learn what it is to have expectations, right expectations, that's going to help my children to flourish. Lord, help me to be that parent that my kids need. Help me to be that parent my kids need. I just want to encourage you as well that that something else will help you as a parent is connecting together. You know, being with other parents and and even some of these older folks that have gone through years of parenting, we've got some great people here that you could lean up against and, and ask them to pray for and seek their counsel. And, and let them be, grand, you know, many of you don't have grandparents that are close to your kids around here. I know some who've adopted out their kids because uh, there weren't grandparents around. And, and that's been, I, I've never known that to be a bad situation at all. But something that's been very valuable within this congregation. I just encourage you to, to connect together, love together. Everything we're called to do is going to be a benefit to our children. I, I, I will say this. I love the fact that our kids are actually here with us at the beginning of worship. I don't know. One time I think there was a few of us annoyed that all oh, the kids and they're, they don't know what to do. And, but now they're worshiping with us. They, they get to see you sing praises before God. They get to see us as we start, as we pray, that we, as we conduct ourselves in worship. And I love the fact that they... Uh, they, they have part of the worship with us. I think that is invaluable as a church. And I love that. I wasn't so sure about it. Good job, CE team, in your pursuit in doing that. I think that's worked wonderfully. And there's benefits to our kids that they're receiving because of that. Dads don't look to be perfect. Learn to be dependent. Dependent upon God. Depending on what He's done through Jesus Christ. I want to close. Linda actually sent out a post to, to my family. I'm going to read the post to you. This is, this is on her heart. This is, uh, and, and we're going to send it out to you all. This, again, this, uh, I should have read through it a couple more times, but this is what she said to our family. She, uh, she said, Good morning, family. Happy Father's Day, daddies. Oh, how important it is, is a daddy. Keep loving those kiddos with grace and mercy. Keep loving their mama, but mostly keep teaching them about Jesus. Right? Right? Keep teaching them about Jesus. I hope you guys have a wonderful day. Love you guys. (laughs) And the girls, she says. She worded that well. Keep telling them, keep leading them to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I praise you and thank you for this day. I praise you for the dads that are present here this morning. I praise you for the dads that we're 
appreciating, Lord, even those dads that have gone on, and, and Lord, appreciating what they've meant to us in our lives. So we praise you for dads. I know, too, is the fact that there are some here this morning that didn't have the best example of dad. And, and Lord, there's hurts and scars because of that. Lord, may you be their peace in that situation. May you comfort the wounds and help them, Father, to see that, that it's good to call you Father, our Father in, in heaven. Lord, and you do it well. Your love is so perfect and good. Lord, we pray that you strengthen our dads here this morning. Help them in their growing, uh, that continued pursuit of the holiness that we're called to. I pray, Father, that they will love their children through discipline, through their expectations, and in leading them in the direction that your word uh, lays out. Lead them in that direction of Jesus. Father, we praise you for this morning and praise you for our time together always. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.